where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host, who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. I always forget which way was the now and was yesterday, so I just go in both directions there. Welcome, 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 welcome. Packed house, Bonnie D. in the house. Have I got a topic for you? And full disclaimer, we did part one of the show on October 6th. 2021, not that long ago. We did part two on April 6th, 2022. I'm with me and we're welcoming a newcomer, but let me do my opening. I want everybody first to wave hello to our LinkedIn live audience, live streaming. There you are. Steve, that was a great smile. Wow, look at him. And everybody wave hello to our Facebook audience. We're streaming, streaming, streaming. And and we're going to just Say hello to the Voice America business audience. Everybody, one, two, three, hello. One, two, three, hello. There we go. Now you know we're here alive and well. So let me do my opening here. I have a couple of headlines I want to read. I found some headlines, believe it or not, on popularmechanics.com. Can you believe? I know, Chuck. I know. Hard to believe. Here come, I'm just going to read the headlines. I just have a bunch of them. A drone attacked targeted The U.S. electrical grid, that was one. Police use drone to enforce social distancing. A drone transport is powered by hydrogen fuel. Drones are helping to restore power in Puerto Rico. Google's drone service will deliver library books. I think they're doing that. A guy sends a drone to rescue Hitler mechanics. And the military wants a dancing drone that can fly through windows. Does that all all sound realistic to all of you? Yeah, okay. Well, you're all the experts and you're in the business, so we'll talk about that. I have another interesting article from Popular Mechanics from May of this year, and we have a couple people on the panel who are going to recognize this. Getting a hot dog at a recent Purdue University baseball series took an aerial quality. In the first ever drone delivery of food and beverage at a sporting event, Purdue was hosting the University of Michigan, fans could order a meal pack and have it delivered via drone to a locker inside Alexander Field, and the companies involved were the concessionaire Levy or Levy with Chicago-based Valkyrie. My Valkyrie people, wave your hands. Here you are today. This is just coincidence. I didn't know this when I found the article. Mm -hmm. And they also worked with, and by the way, Valkyrie has a patented six-locker drone delivery station, an unmanned systems operation group, that's USOG. Is that San... That's you, Founce. That's Founce. Okay. And they fill the theater. Inappropriate use and deployment of UASs and their operators present a serious threat to public safety and order. The same technology already also offers tremendous opportunities to improve safety outcomes. There you go. So that was interesting that they posted that online. And then I found there's something called the Shout Drone. Is anybody familiar with the Shout Drone? Any mm-hmm. of you? It's it yeah. kind of scary. They used it in China. It was used in Italy, Spain, and France to shout at people who were not observing COVID quarantines and not wearing masks in public. Hey, you put your damn mask on. I can see you. But then the police in New Jersey, well, no surprise there, Wyckoff, New Jersey, shout out, used it to sing happy birthday to kids who were socially distanced during the quarantine. Happy birthday to you. I'm a drone, so there. I'm sorry, I shouldn't sing on my show. <laughs> So we have a panel packed house, as I said. Wave your hand at the audience when I call you. Chuck Byers is back. Welcome, Chuck. Hi, 
And Steve, Great he said you. I should call him. Thank you. He said I should call him Steve. You want to be, well, I'll call you Stephen. We'll be formal. Look at that white shirt and tie. You're going to be formal today. Stephen Philpot is back. Alex Becker is a newcomer, and he's going to show us a demo of a drone app that has not debuted to the media. This is a, a very interesting thing we're going to have. We have Founce Genesee. Did I say it right? Yes, you did. It only took me six months to learn to pronounce your name, <laughs> and I'm still studying it. And Ryan Walsh, that's the easy name. Ryan, welcome back. And we're going to ask them for their take on the future of drones, landing on a porch, a planet, a roof, or something near you soon. And the answer is Heck yes. Okay, so let's get started with very brief bios. Let's go around the table. Chuck Byers, everybody knows you. I just got the latest bulletin, Chuck. There are 6.3 people who don't remember who you are in the world. So <laughs> talk to those six on those folks. Uh... Work on them. I'm putting you on speaker view. Go ahead, Chuck. All right. Uh, so I'm Chuck Byers. I have lots of experience in networks, uh, most notably telecommunications networks, master's degree electrical engineering, Worked for 22 years at the famous Bell Laboratories, where I became a Bell Labs fellow, sort of one step below Nobel laureate in that august organization. Uh, and then uh, I've worked for Cisco for 10 years, doing various kinds of prototypes of funky routers and other things. And it turns out at Cisco, I started working on drones because Cisco is really interested in all the things that'll load up telecommunications networks and drones really do have a lot of bandwidth requirements. So Cisco was interested in doing that and they gave me dispensation to go off and think about various things, including drone package deliveries, which I, I did some patents on. Uh, for the last three years, I've been CTO of the Industry IoT Consortium, which has some previous names. Basically, we're 150 member companies universities, government laboratories, interested in digital transformation and the trustworthy internet of things. And that's kind of a big thing. I have a second CTO gig. I'm CTO of Valkyrie, which Ryan will tell us a little bit more about, I'm sure. Uh, we do uh, ground support infrastructure and software for drone package delivery networks. Uh, I have 128 US patents, uh, about a dozen of them related to drones one way or other, and about uh, another couple dozen pending. Thanks. Chuck. Chuck, do you ever sleep? I, I, I dream of this stuff. As I was I... going to say, do you wake up with, with a, a whiteboard or a blackboard or a, or a yep. pen or something in your brain? It's, oh, I have an idea for another patent today. Well, there's 365 days in the year and I've only done 100 patents this year, so I better get... <laughs> did you wake up and feel like that? Uh, on occasion, I, I can't sleep because I'm thinking of something and, and I you know wake up in the middle of the night. It's like, oh, that would be a great thing to try. Let's try that. Isn't that exciting? And I wake up and say to myself in the middle of the night that I put the porch light on because I don't like dark in the back. Never mind. Okay, let's go. I got to get I got to get more more interesting things to think about overnight. Stephen Philpot, we haven't seen you in a while. You're on the show the first one in October. And now you're back. I know you've been busy. So why don't you refresh our memory? Who are you? What do you do? Take about three minutes and go for it. Steve, welcome. Sure. Good to be back. I don't need I don't think I need as many minutes as Chuck. I don't have as much behind me. So I'm Steve Philpot, the CEO of MyScout urban air mobility we're an integrator and operator of uam services and uh, software uh, we're focused on drone assisted public safety agriculture and data collection and inspections um, i am by trade a smart city architect which you know what does that mean just providing uh taking services that come from a city digitizing them and making them more effective and efficient um, I'm focused on really finding the economic drivers that come out of new technologies to help cities, especially urban areas, grow and thrive. Um, I'm a member of a number of different 
organizations that are focused on this new wave of aviation um, and recently joined the Airspace Link Advisory Committee. And uh, we, um, I'm actually the CTO of a new uh, a startup that'll be launched here in Chicago that features a number of global partnerships that, that are focused on developing the infrastructure and operations for UAM. And I gotta give a shout out to our COO, Sandra Formanton, who's over yes. in Italy doing very important stuff. And Sandra was on the show a couple months ago. Uh, I have a correction to your bio, Stephen. You have to allow me this bandwidth here, this sidebar, because you said you're a smart city architect. You're a smart, smart city architect. You <laughs> forgot the smart for yourself, okay? Thank I you. said to myself, he's, that smart went with city, but he's the smart one. So well, thank new you. New business very cards are coming. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> People still use business cards? Okay, thank you very much. Lovely to see you again. Alex Becker is with us. I met Alex through, oh, through various introductions. And Alex was on my re creativity show called Read My Lips, Cool Conversations with Creatives. And along the way, I discovered that he had invented a drone app and I couldn't wait to invite him to meet all of you. So he's the newcomer to our panel. Alex, I'm pleased to put you on speaker view. Would you please take a call? You can take the full three minutes because you're a newbie here. Would you please introduce yourself? Go ahead, Alex. Thank you for having me, Red, and an honor to be among uh, this distinguished panel. Uh, so I'm Alex Becker. I was born and raised in Argentina, uh, where I was a national champion of informatics. I um, then dreamt that I wanted to figure out how a cell turned into a beautiful woman. And so I came to MIT to study biology. And uh, then I uh, decided it was sunnier in California. And so I drove across the country to uh, get a PhD in, uh, well, first a master's in a program called Computational Neural Systems invented by uh, John Hopfield and, uh, and a number of other really great Caltech professors. That's half about understanding how the brain works and half about inventing your own brain or building your own. Uh, ended with a, a PhD there in, in neuroscience and biology and, uh, and started as really inventing and starting companies full-time. Uh, I started a company in semantic search uh, and then I started a company um, and people search that was uh, beating Google and the relevance of people search results three to one. Uh, and then I, um, I, I literally got tired of waiting. Uh, I, I was standing in line one too many times uh, for my kids at a theme park and told myself I had to be a better way than standing behind other people's behinds to decide an order of service. And so I invented uh, something called mobile queuing uh, that by now hundreds of millions of people uh, have used um, and started a company called Queueless to bring that to life. Uh, and that let people join a virtual line from their phone roam freely while they wait and then get notified predictably as their turn approaches so they show up just in time for service um and uh, uh and then more uh recently i started a company uh called drizzit uh which i will be um premiering today uh for you all uh that is all about um being able to see anywhere really so i uh, I, I can talk more about that at the time if you want but just tell them how it relates to drones, just quickly, an overview. Yeah, sure. So so this all uh, started by virtue of the fact, I, I was actually sitting in a restaurant uh, in Arles where Van Gogh painted most of his uh, artwork and telling myself, I was just really thinking about the wonder of drones. I had recently taken a road trip with my son uh, and bought my first drone and I was completely in awe of what drones do. Uh, and I told myself, well, people are going to need, we're going to need billions and billions of drones because I need a drone, you know, close to my house to make sure that my house is secure. I need a, a drone close to my daughter to make sure that my daughter is safe. I need a drone in Iceland when this volcano explodes in Iceland. I need drones everywhere. And, and the same thing for everybody. So I was just 
thinking about billions of drones pulling around us because we would need more drones than cell phones in that case if we each of us needs many drones because a cell phone one of them is enough uh, but with a drone your location really matters and so you need drones in all kinds of locations um, and so eventually I, I, I started brainstorming with one of my uh, childhood friends and experienced CTO out of Amazon um, about what, you know, what the way to implement this vision was. And we realized that it was really to bring uh, the shared economy to drones and to give billions of people access to millions of drones everywhere. And so that's what we built with Drizzit, a platform that allows you to see anywhere by connecting to a drone anywhere in the world and controlling it remotely. So that's what we built. And it's it's really a little bit, I'm reading a biography of Alexander Graham Bell. Uh, we invented the telephone, of course. And, uh, you know, and if you think about it, well, here we are in 2022, and we can talk to anywhere on earth where somebody will pick up the phone, but we can still, for the most part, only see what's in front of our eyes, unless somebody actually sort of turns on a camera and connects with us somewhere. And that's what Drizzit is designed to change. It gives us the ability to become not multiplanetary species like Elon wants, just a species that can see anywhere on earth. And I think that that is a game changer in so many ways. And, and so I'm excited to show that to you. Thank today. you, Alex. And we'll be doing a brief demo about in the middle of the show. So everybody, if you're watching us on LinkedIn or Facebook, stay tuned for that. It's going to be very exciting. Let's go to Founce Genesee. Welcome back. <laughs> it's wonderful. I'm on my best behavior for pronunciations today. <laughs> We're the top well, of the list. With Steve, Steve, the only challenge is do I call him Steve or Steven? And we decided either one was okay. But I don't know, with the, the nice tie, I think Steven, the more formal. Founce, go ahead, refresh us. Chuck had 6.3 people who don't remember him. I'd say about the same 6.3, a different 6.3. Don't remember. 6.3, you're at the same number. Go ahead, Founce. Welcome they back. They just say that guy. They don't even know my name. <laughs> well, good morning. My name is Bounce Genesee. I'm the founder and CEO of USOG, um, Unmanned Systems Operations Group. Um, I'm here. I'm enjoying life. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, you know, basically what we do is uh, we specialize in cargo systems for drones, um, multiple package you know, delivery systems, one, you know, large systems, um, smart tether winch. Uh, so, uh, all that stuff comes from my creative side and my technical side from being a former audio engineer and uh, integrated systems individual from Disney. And uh, Alex, I'm sure they use your uh, previous product because <laughs> uh, all the lines there. But um, yeah, that's where we come from. And um, and I have a medical background. So we do, we can move pretty much anything. But, you know, we really focus in on the medical aspects. Uh, luckily, we um are working with the American Red Cross currently and uh, doing a lot of things with them. And also our, our, our friends there over at Valkyrie. And, uh, you know, we're just trying to make the world a better place. One drone delivery at a time. By drone, we deliver. That, that's your motto. That's your, I appreciate. We need to have that behind you. Drone, we oh, I haven't. I just didn't switch out my wallpaper. Okay, yeah, we, we got to see that. Thank you very much. Welcome back, fans. And Ryan Walsh, the busy man. You're always so busy. I can see the brains working there, Ryan, all the time. I want you to smile for me. Would you... He smiled. Oh, my goodness. Ryan Walsh, welcome back. I'm so honored that you're here. And would you please refresh the memory? Same 6.3 people. That's just the number of the day. Go ahead, Ryan. 
Thanks so much for having me. Uh, I'm Ryan Walsh. I'm the uh, founder and CEO of Valkyrie. Um, we build automated drone infrastructure and vertiports for drone delivery. Um, so I started in special operations, uh, 75th Ranger Regiment, did several tours overseas to Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, and that's where I first really saw the power of drones. Um, hadn't quite clicked yet. wasn't until I had gotten out and studied logistics and the industrial revolutions while I was getting my undergrads and my MBA. Um, but uh, about 10 years ago, nine, 10 years ago, um, the drone bug hit me and uh, started really focusing on how do we make this happen in, in, in the world. Um, a lot of the drone companies were thinking top down and focusing on the drone. And our big pivot point was how do we focus on the customer? How does the customer interact with this? How does this actually engage with a municipality, a smart city? Um, and so we started filing patents and building prototypes and testing and uh, have been at it for the last uh, few years. Fabulous. Uh, I am so impressed with the, the brain power, the legacy brain power. You all, you must all eat different things than most people eat for breakfast. You must have a different way of approaching life. You get up in the morning, it's, it's what is the challenge and what can I do to solve it? Very, very impressive. I could just sit and hear your bios all day long. I feel like I'm in very esteemed company and I am. So thank you very much. Let's quickly do our opening quotes. I've asked if you're new to the show, listeners, viewers, I've asked my guest as always to send me a fictional quote from a movie or a TV show or a song lyric. We, I think we have a song lyric today. And that has nothing to do, eh, not supposed to have anything to do with our topic and ask them to please relate it to the topic in their own words. Let's keep this really, really short, 90 seconds to two minutes. And I'm going to read the quote with a tiny bit of background. I'll put you on speaker view and ask you to explain it for us. So Chuck Byers has sent a quote from IGY, What a Beautiful World, song written and performed by American songwriter, singer, and musician Donald Fagan. It's a long lyric here, but let me read a little bit. Adjust machine to make big decisions programmed by fellows with compassion and vision. We'll be clean when their work is done. We'll be eternally free, yes, and eternally young. What a beautiful world this will be. What a glorious time to be free. How'd I do, Chuck? Well done. Thank Almost you. as good as Donald himself. Uh, <laughs> well, you know. I didn't sing. Go ahead. Take 90 seconds. Tell us what this is all about. Well, it's a little snarky. Uh, the International Geophysical Year in 1958 was sort of supposed to you know, study the world and, and thereby be prepared to fix the world. And I suppose to a certain extent, they did that. The work is ongoing here, you know, well, half a century later, we're still thinking about that. Uh, so the, the interesting thing about this particular quote is it seems to anticipate AI, which is essential to drones. So, you know, just machines to make big decisions, love that. And uh, hopefully that's a good manifesto for the AI that we're going to be using to control all of this stuff, not just drones, but really all of civilization. And the second piece of that is a program by fellows with compassion and vision. I love compassion and vision. Not so sure about fellows because some of the best programmers I know are women. So uh, that's, you know, a little, little sexist. If I was uh, advice to Donald, I'd say, let's fix that one up. But otherwise, <laughs> I really think this represents kind of the, the sentiment that that surrounds the optimism around drones uh let's see whether it deserves a sort of snarky treatment or if it's really a premonition of the future i hope it's the latter thank you fellows and sisters brethren and sisterhood i don't know we can come up with all kinds of words people people what's wrong with people there you go that's kind of the neutral way to do it steve thank you chuck steve philpot has sent us a quote from the movie 
The Aeronauts, 2019 biographical adventure film. The character I'm going to quote in a second is played by Himish Pate or Pate, and the character's name is John True, T-R-E-W. It's loosely based on the feats of James Glacier and Henry Tracy Coxwell, who in 1862 flew higher into the atmosphere than anyone before. I'm going to leave that alone. And by the way, Eddie Redmayne plays James in the movie A Man of Logic and Science. Who keeps telling people that over and over again? I'm a man of logic and science. I didn't see the movie, but I read that in the bio. Okay, here's the quote Steve has selected. Some reach for the stars. Some push others toward them. Oh, Steve, I'm getting chills on that one. Talk to me. How'd you find this one? And briefly, what does it have to do with our topic? Like, I, I was, can't figure it out. Go ahead. Just watch. I was watching the movie and it was kind of cool, you know, drones and aviation and all this good stuff. And uh, I, I felt like these these pioneers hit the same pinch point that we're hitting today, where we talk about things and people kind of place them into the future. And we can, um, we can talk about it and educate cities as to how to bring urban air mobility in it, but it's really better and more efficient for us as entrepreneurs to really push them toward the innovation by creating prototypes and you know, explaining the benefits and showing the benefits. These folks were just trying to get higher to get information about weather. And it seemed like they were um, heretics who wants, who can predict the weather? It sounds ridiculous. Why would you do it? And that's the same conversation we have today. And it's amazing that it still happens. I've, you know, developed other stuff in the past, same mindset. So you typically have to drag people into the future or push them that way. Thank that's you. the relevance. Same and, relevance. and I appreciate that. What I didn't read is that there's a character in there, Amelia Renz, played by Felicity Jones, the actress. Her character is an amalgam of pioneering female balloonist. Chuck, there we go. She's a natural one-woman show. She rides to the launch site dressed like a porcelain doll, and she says to the crowd, we may reach the moon and bring back stardust. And she yeah. throws her dog over the side. Everybody goes, oh my God, look what she did to the dog. They gasp, but there's parachute on the dog. Yeah. Very, very clever. I got, I got to find that. That looks very interesting. Thank you very much. Let's move on. Alex Becker has sent us a quote from Gandalf the Grey, played by Ian McKellen an Istari wizard and mentor to Frodo. Frodo Baggins, played by Elijah Woods, the young, Wood, excuse me, the young hobbit who inherits the one ring from his uncle Bilbo, the movie, of course, The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, 2001 epic fantasy adventure film. I love the way they put so many descriptors into the genre. Used to be, it's an adventure movie. No, it's an epic and it's a fantasy. Anyway, okay, here's the quote Alex has selected. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. Oh, Alex, I'm getting chills on this one. Go ahead. I really think it's the fundamental question in life. And the, the one question that you know puzzles me every day, what am I going to do with my life today that's going to make today memorable uh, for tomorrow and the days to come? And I think it's particularly relevant to what I'm doing today with Drizzit um, because Drizzit gives us as humans a chance of saying, you know what, right now, the best, most relevant place for me to be is not right here. It's over there. And I want to be seeing what's going on over there. And so it gives really a, a virtual eye or you know, on, on a zeitgeist on the world so that you can see what's going on that's most relevant to you. So I think that's the choice we make every day, every moment. Thank you. And I think that's what each member of this panel is all about, making those choices every day. Look at what you've all done and what you're all doing in your lives. Founce, 
Je ne sais. I just love saying your name now that I think I've got it. <laughs> Professor John Keating, played by the late great, and I think we all miss him at some level, Robin Williams, Dead Poet Society, 1989 American teen drama film. And I don't think it's a teen drama film at all. I think it has a much yeah. bigger message, right? It's not just a teen. It's, it's a, a life movie. It's a life drama. Anyway, here is the quote. No matter what anybody tells you, words and ideas can change the world. Bounce, take a minute. Go ahead. You said it. Um, <laughs> no, I want best. you to say it. <laughs> I mean, really, in all honesty, if you look at everybody on this panel, at some point in time, we had an idea. And in order to express that idea, we had to tell somebody about it to bring it into this world and into fruition. So the idea spoken out loud can change the world. And each one of us is doing it in our own different way. From cargo delivery systems, multiple packages, uh, the uh, um, the bird uh, ports and infrastructure that um, Ryan and Valkyrie are doing, my scout, um, and the stuff that you know Alex is doing and Chuck, none of these would, none of these things would be here unless we thought them and spoke them out loud, and that is changing the world just by doing what we're doing today. And radio shows that bring you all together and give your ideas and thoughts to an audience. Words, exactly. Right? Words and so ideas. So your words have the power to influence others just like ours there and you you go. you've, you've created this <laughs> microcosm and this hub for that information to be disseminated thank you thank you very kind i'm thinking we're, yes words we're 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 sharing words and we're going to share mm -hmm. some some visions in a few minutes and let's go to ryan walsh's bio i'm sorry his bio is quote ryan walsh i'm so excited about this he's selected a quote from william tell not the guy who shot the arrow with a, a through a an apple on his son's head this is a character in the movie the card counter 2001 american drama film played by Oscar Isaac. And I'm just going to say that, I don't know if you know this, Ryan, I'm sure you do. William Tell's explanation of card counting was taken directly, almost word for word, from the Wired YouTube video, Blackjack Expert Explains How Card Counting Works. Did you know that? The, the lines in the movie are exactly from that instructional video. William Tell is a gambler who taught himself how to count cards during an eight-year stint in military prison to avoid attention Fame or from the casino bouncers, his gambling philosophy is bet small and win modestly. Somebody wants to back him for a lot of money and he says, no, thank you. And that's the story. Here's the quote. Poker is all about waiting. Hours pass, days pass, hand after hand, each hand like the hand before. Then something happens. Ryan, talk to me. I mean, that's really kind of all of the, the journey that we've been on. Um, you know, you're... you're looking at different trends, different, you know, ways these technologies can be implemented. And then all of a sudden you get hit with that one idea and you just run with it. Thank you, man. A few words, packed a punch. Thank you very much for the quotes. Chuck, I'm quickly putting your first prediction into the chat for you so we can have it here just for you. I'm going to read it and I'll tell you what, I'm going to read the, the prediction and you explain it, take about two minutes so we can get as many covered as we can. And then if anybody has a comment on Chuck's prediction, just wiggle one of your nice fingers at me and I will call on you. Otherwise, I will be putting predictions into the chat for each of you to cycle through. When we get to Alex, who's the third one, we will stop for about three minutes and show the Drizzit video, the demo, okay? So that's what we're gonna do. Chuck Byers, you say, drones will be modular, allowing you to assemble exactly what you need for a specific mission. Chuck, talk to me. Yep, the problem is, is that there's so many different variants of drones made by so many different companies and so many different missions you might wanna put them to work on 
that it's really hard to match the mission, the capabilities required to the actual airframe and its configuration. So what I think is going to happen is, is there's gonna be kind of a, almost a, a cafeteria style, or maybe you can think of it as a Swiss army knife style configuration of drones, where you can choose size and, and duration of batteries. You can choose what the size of the props are, maybe trading off lift versus speed versus duration on station. You can choose the cargo handling engines, the things that USOG and, and founts make that sort of grab the package and secure it under the belly of the drone. Uh, you can choose landing skids. You know, you might want some that float on water or some that are good in jungle environments or whatever. Um, all of this stuff could be sort of configured, click it in and out. All you need is an Allen wrench and you can put the thing together and, and get it ready to fly on that mission. And in fact, eventually robots will assemble drones, you know, a, a series of parts may be stored in parts lockers, similar to the Valkyrie landing stations. The, the, the robots will come in and say, well, this is the batteries I want. This is the cargo engine I want. These are the propellers I want. Snap it all together. And in two minutes, that drone's ready to launch. That's the kind of stuff that I think we're looking for. Very, very interesting. Well, so will it be a DIY type of thing? I buy a drone and I want it to go pick up milk and eggs at the at a, a vertiport at Harris Teeter, a mile point two from my house, mm -hmm. and I will order online and they'll have it all ready in a drone pickupable package. And my drone, and then I need mm -hmm. my drone to do something else and maybe get library books. It'll have a different type of a, a pickup basket. Very interesting. Let's move on. Thank you very much, yeah. Chuck. Anybody uh, else have uh, founts? Go ahead. Yeah, because um, we, we actually do that. We have a universal plate that goes on a drone and you can put a one, two rescue pallet or a smart winch system. You put it into the um, adapter, plug it into the drone, off you go. Off you go. We're already Great. doing it. Thank you. And the house I bought here in North Carolina, I'm told that the people who lived here before were flying drones over people's backyards and they weren't too popular. So the drone guy sold me the house and I promised everybody, no drone, I'm just going to broadcast. I'll be really quiet. Okay, let's go to Steve Philpott's prediction number one. You say private investors will start to buy up the land best suited for vertiports and associated infrastructure. Most cities will have at least two locations and potentially several as the market matures through 2035. That's a long view. Steve, talk to us. Sure, so a lot of the focus on urban air mobility is on um, the aircraft. So there's a lot of investment and a number, about 300 different air taxi manufacturers out there. And then there is consideration for the aviation regulator. The FAA says, okay, these drone taxis and these drone commercial drones can fly in this way. But I was having a conversation a few weeks ago with a major airline operator who has purchased a number of drones and asked the question, where are you going to land and take off from? There is one commercial vertiport in the world today. I mean, so you can take off and you can come back. It's tourism, but for commerce to work, there has to be landing pads. And so some private investors are looking at that and, and figuring out based on the recent FAA guidelines for vertiports and vertistops, vertiports being with passengers, vertistops being for delivery and other things. These are areas where you can buy this land and sell it back to operators and the government to have these vertiports. So Memphis, for example, just passed a law that said you can't, you can't be uh, an individual organization owning more than X percentage uh, of these types of land for vertiports. So that, that is, you know, they're going to be uh, orders of magnitude more 
vertiports than there are airports, for example. And vertiports are significantly uh, less expensive to develop. And you could, off the top of your head, really start a project and then take it somewhere and you know, hook in with operators to fly there. So there is this land grab that's going on right now, kind of similar to the, uh, the old oil, the, uh, yeah, the oil rush. So it's interesting. It's interesting. And, and I recently did a show for, for a company I was working with on um, charging stations for electric vehicles. And we talked about there are rules and regulations, but there is a little bit of a land grab going on. Where will you have your charging station? Will it be in a Walmart parking lot? Will it be next to a major supermarket? What are the rules for people with disabilities? How do you park your car? How long do you have to leave it? What do you do? And the land, the question is, to whom does that land belong for right. the access? I'm, I'm not trying to change the topic here, but it reminded me when you said land grab. You want to add a comment, Steve? Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, even in the Valkyrie model today, yeah. it's a very beneficial asset to a Walmart or to any retailer. And so if, if I can get there first and say, oh, this is the great, this is a great place for them to put this charging station or landing station, then I, I can make some money just selling it back to the operator that is using the, Va the Valkyrie product. So when you start to look there, you know, it's a lot of opportunity and momentum Moving. There is. And that's that's where the smart city comes in. That's where the smart view of what are the opportunities? To whom do I need to speak? How ready does the technology need to be? What are the rules and regulations? Do they exist? If not, to whom do I have to speak? How do I make it safe and accessible and profitable? Oh, my. I got the dollar sign in there. Anybody want to say anything else about that before we move? Because, OK, Alex, we're ready. I'm putting you on speaker view. Let's have the world debut of Drizzt. Go ahead. Thank you. And actually, that's a great segue from what uh, Stephen said, because I agree with Stephen's prediction, uh, but I think that's only uh, part of the picture, right? So not only will the, 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 the verdict ports will be the, uh, the electrical charging ports, the, the hotels of the uh, travel industry, if you want, uh, but there will be the, uh, the private uh, ports where people charge, uh, and that's sort of the equivalent of the Airbnbs and VRBOs of the world for drones, uh, which will complement uh, those, those fleets and locations. And so that's what I'm previewing for you today, uh, Drizzt. So Drizzt allows you to fly anywhere from anywhere. And so uh, today uh, we're gonna be flying in Mexico in Ixtapa. Uh, and so here we go and search for it and we find that there's a drone right there. And I'm gonna click it in. And as I do, I can see that I can either watch or control it and I'm actually gonna control it. Uh, and so here I am uh, you know, sitting in front of my computer in the comfort of my own room uh, but I can click on the takeoff button uh, for this drone that is on the Drizzt network. And uh, this drone is programmed to autopilot to a minimum uh, height of 25 meters. And so we'll automatically fly up there to uh, clear the, uh, the vegetation and the buildings. And once it gets to 25 meters, which you're seeing right there over the Pacific coast of Mexico, it returns control to me as the uh, pilot. And I can really go anywhere we wanna go, right? So uh, let's go to the beach. So here we are approaching uh, the Pacific Ocean, and uh, you know it's it's really easy to uh, now fly, but it's also really really safe because I uh, there's a geofence that uh, does not allow me as a pilot to do anything that uh, you know that is not safe to do. I'm going to look down, for example, now. So I'm going to move the camera uh, downwards. Look at that beach. Uh, let's uh, rotate and uh, go towards uh, that direction over there. Uh, that there was actually. Uh, beautiful uh, mariachi performance right over that uh, lawn last night. And let's head over towards the sailing boats now. And here we go. 
Um, and so it's, it's super safe because uh, you can uh, control again where people can and cannot fly. Uh, if at any point the, uh, um, the network were to lose connectivity with the drone, it'll fly right back to base. Uh, so it's sort of very uh, safe that way too. Uh, and allows the network of people uh, using uh, drone to go anywhere they want to go, uh, you know, by, by essentially accessing the drone anywhere. So think about the potential for monitoring uh, places, uh, you know, so utilities that need to monitor their infrastructure. Um, think about the potential for photographers to be able to take uh, remote photography anywhere. Uh, think about the potential for search and rescue. Um, I mean, virtual tourism, their applications are really education. Think about learning about the pyramids, not by reading about them, you know, dryly, um, but rather actually, um, you know, flying around the pyramids and seeing how close they are uh, to the Nile and so on and so forth. So um, that is what I wanted to show you. Uh, and, Thank uh, you. Thank you, Alex. Before you take the demo down, uh, Chuck, any questions? Ryan, Steve, Founce, anybody have any questions for Alex while the demo's up? Uh, too many to ask here. <laughs> oh, just one, one question. Same. Give them one question each. Go ahead. One question each. Uh, um, so uh, obviously the rules for flying a drone in Mexico are different than the United States. Um, we have a lot more restrictions. Um, how are you, are you going about the regulatory aspects of remote flying drones? Yeah, great question. And uh, so that, that there's, there's a few parts of the answer. So first of all, for each particular application, uh, permits can be applied for, uh, you know, so for example, utilities have gotten permits uh, for the visual line of sight um, for specific applications. So that's the first part. Secondly, the world's a very uh, large place. And so there are lots of places that are pioneering uh, those sort of the regulations of that. Thirdly, uh, we allow joint control with a local pilot that can be uh, right there uh, within the visual line of sight. So if you think about it, a platform like Drizzit makes it a lot safer and a lot easier to control and regulate uh, the, uh, a drone flying, right? Instead of having to find a, a, a random person that's somewhere in the real world, hard to find, and who really does not have any more control over his drone just because he's local there, then what we have with our software where you can bring a drone down at any point, we can, you can track each one uh, in real time. And so it's really uh, way safer. So, so it's a combination of all of those things. Great question. Thank you, question. Anybody else, Chuck, you have a question? Oh, Steve, Steve, go ahead, you're next. Yeah, so the, the United States and uh, EASA and a number of other uh, large countries are uh, rooting their regulations in consumer sentiment, basically those areas over which you fly, uh, the people in those areas provide the rule set for how you fly. How do you deal with consumer sentiment? Have you, have you digitized in the rules that come from the community and then it automatically creates geofences or? Uh, we, so we leave, we kind of take the Airbnb approach to that where uh, we leave it to the drone owner to uh, really implement geofences that make sense uh, in each particular location. Uh, and, and then of course can provide sort of regulation on top of that if needed. Um, so so it's, it's, it's a decentralized approach. Thank you, Chuck, question? I just think it's really cool. I love it. Uh, <laughs> the The question is is really about monetization of this. So the, it's kind of expensive to put drone in a box solutions all over the world and 
And, uh, you know, the, 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 do you share the profitability or the subscription fees with the drone owner as well as with your network? How to, is that sort of like the Airbnb model? Is that what you're intending to do? It is. I'm so glad you asked that. Uh, yes, absolutely. Most of the revenues go to the drone owners who put the drones on the network. Uh, and so we, we just enable them to make money uh, that way, right? So we just talked to a photographer in, in Australia yesterday, for example, that is planning to use this in order to be able to extend his incredible skills of drone photography and videography all over the world. Uh, and so, um, yes, most of those revenues go to the, the people. And, and we also have uh, the possibility of sharing revenues with what we call prospectors, which are people who identify a particular place and say, I know there will be a lot of demand if, if there's a drone here. So let, you know, I'm going to sort of guarantee revenues if somebody puts a drone there. And then now somebody puts a drone there and both of these people uh, profit from that, their entrepreneurship. Thank you for the question. Wonderful. Alex, you can stop sharing now. I see that we've landed the drone safely and we had, I'm watching yes. the four minutes. appreciate that very much. Absolutely. Very, very interesting. Wow, all right, we're back. Thank you all for your questions. I wanna move on for some more predictions. Alex, that was great. Founce, so I'm looking at your prediction number two. You say an increase mm -hmm. in climate change will accelerate the use of drones in active and passive roles. Go ahead, unpack for me, please. Bounce. Well, um, obviously, uh, drones are great, as we see with um, Alex's application, uh, inspection, infrastructures, you know, and things like that. Now, uh, climate change and erosion on coastlines, using specialized camera to check out vegetation and all that. And that's more of the passive way of using drones. Uh, more active ways of using drones are to actually take samples of bodies of water and things like that. Also, because of climate change, we're seeing um, more natural disasters uh, beginning to occur. And in, in that role, drones are being used to actively uh, move uh, needed supplies into areas that are flooded that you can't get to. And so drones will be ubiquitous uh, among firefighters, among researchers, um, infrastructure, um, inspection, all these things that we kind of take for granted, granted uh, because the climate hasn't really messed with those things, but now we see that happening. Uh, drones are now become, going to become a tool used by almost everybody. The dull, the dirty, and the dangerous. That's what drones are good for, and that's what we're gonna see. The dull, the dirty, and the dangerous. Oh, I haven't heard that before. It sounds interesting. Anybody have any comments on what Faust just shared? Steve, go ahead. Yeah, the USDA right now in the United States is focused on bringing drones closer to the typical farmer because mm -hmm. just that exact reason climate change has uh for the farmer touched them in a way that every day they see the impact and and it costs dollars down the line that we eventually see but we're in crisis mode right now in terms of consumer agriculture and uh, drones are big drones and public sensors or at least uh, widely dispersed sensors combined with the data that drones can capture. We can fly over a large patch of a farm and tell you about soil quality, uh, uh, water runoff. We can even analyze using various phenotyping the types and health of the, uh, the crop. 
with those machines. So yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I totally agree with what Franz was saying. Very cool. And I know that edge computing is also helping farmers. They're putting IOT sensors on plants, on soil, on moisture. They're putting it on harvesters in terms of what do they remove from the fields and what do they harvest. And drones are part of that, the drone view. I did a show on edge computing recently. And uh, part of my research was how is this all fitting together, the sensors, the drones. And mm -hmm. it's basically a new type of infrastructure, isn't it, to help farmers. And they said you, you, you could basically be sitting down to dinner of a meal that's brought to you by technology because of look at how it all fit together, the farmer, the plant, Planting this, the seeding, the the moisturizing, they moisturizing. I'm sorry, thinking face. Um, the, the nutrition of the soil, the harvesting, the shipping. Think of it, blockchain. Think of of the infrastructure and the origin of what we're eating and where. So we're, we're basically technology is feeding us. Let's move on. Thank you very much, Ryan Walsh. Prediction number three. This is interesting. You say once the regulators unlock the skies, I have a feeling that's a little controversial. Can't wait to hear that. The amount of GDP that will be generated by countries that adopt the technology instead of fight it will be radically better off. India is a great example of how quickly that could happen. So without politics, Ryan, talk to me. So it's, we're really seeing a battle between old aviation and new aviation. And to think that, you know, drones haven't proved their efficacy in all of these situations is crazy. Um, but we're seeing these almost archaic regulations and timelines at this point. And um, I get it, you know, it's, it's aviation. There's a lot of safety that's required. People's lives are at stake. But the countries that have taken a more forward-leaning and innovative approach, um, have really started to see massive growth from it already. Like um, India was a great example of a country that firmly banned drones for a long time. And then once they had, I think it was the second spike in COVID, um, they realized this is a very useful technology. And overnight, um, they started moving in the right direction. And I think it was last week, Prime Minister Modi was just doing a huge uh, demonstration and really touting all of the impacts that, that drones have brought, right? So we're going to get to this inflection point where if your country is five, 10 years ahead in the regulations, I mean, imagine being five to 10 years ahead in any form of logistics, right? I mean, that's going to have drastic impacts on what companies locate in your, your country, what kind of uh, infrastructure is figured out in your country, which is then exported to all the other countries at their cost, right? So it really comes down to just the macroeconomics of this and, and drones really are going to be uh, massive technology. I mean, the war in Ukraine is a perfect example of how a single drone has changed the way war is fought in a matter of weeks. I mean, it's going to be the same thing across the board. Yep. Thank you very much. Very, very powerful prediction. Chuck, yeah. you want to add? Chuck and then Founce. Well, drones are really networks, right? And and they'll follow exactly the same paths as the electrical networks, the internet, the wireless telephony networks that we know, love, and depend upon on an hourly basis. And uh, I, I think drones will, will follow that approach. The jurisdictions, state local, federal, that are on top of the value that these things bring to their economies and to their citizens are the ones that are going to be postured to be the leaders of the, the next decades. I hope it's us. Thank you, Chuck. Fancy you wanted to talk. Go ahead. I basically, Chuck just said what I was thinking. Um, how many people here currently use a rotary phone? <laughs> That's old. <laughs> 
only in the movies if they want to look very retro, right, Steve? Right. right. It's for a fact. And, and, I just do it to be that's, cool. Look and cool. that's old aviation. Um, you know, they're the, the same thinking behind the rotary phone as being as in the old you know, airline industry, and we're all currently using digital, you know, cell phones, everything from the iPhone to Android, whatever. And that's the new technology that the drones offer. And so we have to have a new set of thinking moving forward when it comes to aviation. Absolutely. I'm, I'm muting myself because the, the gardening service is here and they've been mowing around and he's blowing the leaves or whatever off my porch. It's like, no, not now. You don't, they you don't have a robot doing that for you? I don't. I don't. I live in I live in an HOA community, and it's included. So when they come, they come anyway. A lot of noise here. Uh, let's go to, I think we can sneak in one or two more predictions. Chuck, I'm just going to do this one because it was part of my intro, one of my headlines from Popular Mechanics. I think everybody would enjoy this. You say, drones will flock like geese with lead drones serving as windbreaks for the followers. Briefly, Chuck, what does this mean? Right. The, if you ever watch geese flying around in the autumn or spring, they uh, they fly in these V formations, and that there, there's one goose at the tip of the V that's doing a lot of work, and all the ones behind it are kind of riding in a slipstream and maintaining uh, much less energy required to keep going. And then the geese, of course, are equitable, and after a while they'll switch off, and somebody else will take the point. I think drones will be exactly the same. If we have some, maybe a, a bunch of drones going off to do a mission, maybe they're doing a surveillance mission, maybe they're doing an entertainment mission, like emulating a fireworks display or something, maybe they're delivering a large number of packages. There'll be a, there'll be a, a protocol where the lighter loaded drones are breaking the wind for all of the drones that are following behind them. And everybody gets to go an extra 10 or 20 or 30% further on the amount of battery charge that they can carry with them. It's an awesome approach and it's uh, inevitable. I'll tell you, I'm just thinking that I lived on Long Island. I'm a New Yorker, born and bred, and I lived on Long Island. And, and one of the mains of everybody's existence is the Long Island Expressway is called the world's longest parking lot, because mm -hmm. even though the posted speed is 55, good luck, Charlie and Mary ever going that. And I always told people there was a little guy named Murray and his wife, Sylvia, excuse me, I'm, I'm allowed to say it. I'm from New York and you can guess the rest, who were at the head of the traffic that was stopping traffic, making us all go 15 miles an hour all the way back to Queens. And they were already out in, in, in Suffolk County. I would love to have a drone take a picture of the lead car, talking about the geese and the flock, Chuck, the lead car that's causing the problems that are backing up traffic. I would love to out that person, whatever their name, whatever their You're, you're saying like George Kyle used to say, it's generally an old man with a hat. <laughs> His wife saying, no, Murray, change the lane. Don't change the lane. Murray, put your foot on the... Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm from New York. I'm allowed to say that. We'll just leave the rest alone, as I said twice already. We have time for one more quick prediction, Steve Philpott. If you can explain this in 90 seconds, good for you. You say, in 2024, consumer-side UAM apps will begin to emerge, enabling on-demand drone services from retailers and other CPG providers. Quickly unpack that for me, and then we're going to close. Go ahead, Steve. Sure, let's take the uh, the car sharing or car ride model. You use Uber to get an Uber, you use Lyft to get a Lyft, but tomorrow when you order a pizza, you're not gonna want to use a certain type of aircraft or operator, you just want the pizza. So they're gonna be these networks underneath these white label apps that allow a pizza delivery company to get the order without having to build their own app, that they're gonna, there's gonna be ubiquitous apps for um, your 
air taxi based on the distance and the locations in which you want to fly, but it'll be based on consumer demand. It, it will be driven today. A lot of the stuff that we're doing right now, it's based on what we need. Tomorrow, the need will accelerate because people will say, I don't want five apps to figure out how to get my pizza. I want one. And we're, we're kind of trying to be ahead of that. But I, I do believe the app is going to drive the, the activity in the market in a number of different ways. And, and tell me something. Are there any age demographics or socioeconomic demographics or demographic cohorts who are going to embrace this technology and want to do this, Steve? Just quickly around the table. Is this specific to millennials? They get blamed for everything. Very very quickly, what's going to happen is people are going to get tired of the school bus being late or not arriving and say, hey, kid, you don't know better, but get, I'm going to put you on that air taxi to go to school. That's how it's going to start. But I, I do believe that cargo is going to really drive, the last mile delivery is going to drive the use of this air taxi market. Ryan, you want to make a comment? Go. I think I think Stephen's spot on. Uh, okay. Anybody else have a comment on which demographic will? Uh, so it'll be for convenience. It'll be anybody who understands it and is that? Oh my God, there's a drone spying on me in my backyard, and I took my bathing suit uh, off. I, I think that the drone spying model is is quickly eroding with all the education, everything that we've been doing, with all the positive things coming out of it. Uh, and so as we in the industry continue educating everybody, it gets easier and easier. And that's a constant battle that we all have to face when it comes to investors, the consumer, sure. um, everything. So we're all on that mission. And Should on we... that point, Bonnie, we Go did ahead, a, we did a golf course delivery last year in, in Sun City. And I would say the average age was over 55. And we thought, oh, this is not going to be our crowd. And turns out they were so into it. They loved it. I think it's going to be ubiquitous. There's not going to be. Thank you. I'm glad I asked the question. I'm going to do something I never did, but this is real quick. Anybody have a website you want to give out where people can find you real fast? Just yell it out. Chuck, website, bounce, Ryan, Valkyrie, where, where should people go? www.valkyrie.com, V-A-L-Q-A-R-I. Okay, bounce. U-S-O-G.us. Thank you very much. My Scout, Steve? M-Y-S-K-A-U-T dot com. There you go. Alex, where can people find Drizzit or not yet? Drizzit.com. Drizzit like visit, like a drone visit. D-R-I-S-I-T dot com. And I'm Alex at Drizzit.com. Thank you very much. I've never done that at the end of a show like this. I want to say thank you to Gabe, my engineer. Gabe, you were wonderful at getting everybody and getting me set. And I want to say everybody wave. We're not done yet. Wave goodbye to LinkedIn. Wave goodbye to Facebook. And my closing is... I want everybody on the count of three to put your finger up. Come on, you all, you've done this before, except Alex. You're going to say, no, 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 when I count to three. People say the future is already here. And our answer is one, two, three. No, 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 no. no. Alex, no. come on, Alex. No, 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 no. Put that finger up there. There you go. The Alex Becker. No, no, the answer, no. The answer is that was yesterday's future. Today's future hasn't happened. After I said happened in the period in there, that was the future and it's gone already. It's already the past. So let's all get together. <laughs> And make it a better one. Thank you, Founce Genesee, Chuck Byers, Alex Becker, Steve Philpot, Ryan Walsh, Bonnie D signing off. Don't go away, guys. We're going to talk for a second afterwards. Bye bye. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now. Bye.